0: We are, uh, if you uh, have been away, we are in a sermon series uh, during these beginning weeks of the new year entitled Resetting Life's Compass. We're thinking together about what it means to get life uh, organized God's way, what it means when life is out of control and we need help uh, finding our way. And so this morning we're going to be thinking about establishing priorities And I'm going to be reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning in verse 19 and through verse 33. And if you'll have your Bibles open, I'll read that in just a moment. I'd like to invite us to a time of prayer and invite us to bow our heads and to be in in a spirit of meditation and silence. And then I'll lead us in a prayer time. eternal spirit, we do come into your presence and seek healing for our lives because it does seem like uh, each new disaster has us spinning faster and and life seems out of control. We pray today for people who are suffering and struggling everywhere. We pray especially for the citizens of France who are recovering from tragedy uh, of terrorism. We pray for all of our military personnel and those in law enforcement, firefighters, all first responders in a world that just seems so literally ablaze with struggle and pain and hatred. We ask God that you bless today those in our congregation who have experienced the loss of loved ones as they're grieving, as they're walking that road that... uh, we have to walk and we pray healing for their spirits. we pray for those who are sick who are facing surgery who are dealing with the uncertainty of medical tests and for all of those who are dealing with family problems and marriage crisis and job related stresses. we pray for our teachers and for our students and for all of the challenges that are that are being faced daily and Lord, we pray for our church's ministries for upward basketball and upward cheer, that your spirit might work through all of those activities to share the good news of Christ and to reach out to our community. And we pray that today you would help us to live our baptism, to ponder what it means to be followers of Christ, what it means to be buried to an old way of life and raised to the hope of a new way of life. Teach us to live our baptism in faithfulness, in creativity, with imagination as we live the gospel. Guide us now with hearts of understanding, with minds that are quick to receive your truth. Help us, O God, to have the courage to rearrange some things or let go of some things that need to be dropped so that priorities can be straight in our lives. Guide us now with your Spirit and teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read from Matthew's Gospel beginning in verse 19, and we're thinking about priorities in life. And I want you to listen very prayerfully to what God might have to say to us. And I invite you to stand, if you will, please, if you're able. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless them to our hearts. You may be seated. Well, I shared with you last week that... Uh, I'd received a lot of helpful and uh, very insightful comments uh, before this sermon series started, inviting you on Facebook, text, email, and uh, carrier pigeon or whatever to uh, communicate with me about your concerns about priorities, your concerns about life and getting life organized and about resetting life's compass. And there were some great comments, especially on the subject of priorities. Uh, Several people said, you know, I found that the temptation in my life is not so much between the good and the bad when it comes to schedules and priorities. It's not so much between the good and the bad, it's between the good and the best. And that is hard, isn't it? We can usually clearly see the difference between the good and the bad. But to see the distinction between the good and the best, and someone else said very wisely, you know, I have to learn that every time I say yes to one thing, I'm automatically saying no to something else. And some of us have a hard time learning that, don't we? That there's only so much of me to go around, there's only so much time, there's only so much energy, and to say yes to one thing is to automatically say no to something else. And then I was amazed at how many people talk to me about guilt and priorities. Uh, sort of what we talked last week about margins, that if I take care of myself and I maintain healthy margins, then I feel guilty by telling other people no. But if I do everything that everybody expects me to do, uh, then I feel resentful. So people talk about bouncing between uh, guilt and resentment, sort of choosing your poison sort of attitude. And it is difficult. It's, it's, a, it's a very tough challenge to find That balance to find where we need to be Uh, there's a book coming out uh, in a little while uh, by Courtney Martin Uh, she's written a lot and and I was reading a column of hers and and the the book I I don't know anything about the book but I love the title I I checked it and uh, I didn't see it online yet here's the title the new better off the new better off more fulfillment community and fun Less debt, less status, and less stuff. Like that. The new better off. There's a new definition of better off that the younger generation is getting interested in, and it's about more fulfillment, more community, and more fun, and less debt, less status, and less stuff. Now, that title is tantalizingly appealing to us because we're living with a lot of stuff, and we're living with a lot of burden, and we're trying to find our way out. Here's what people have basically, in summary, said to me, not only in preparation for this sermon series, but as your pastor over the years. They talk about being tired, about feeling helpless, about uh, out of, being out of control, They talk about being over scheduled, stressed, alone. It's amazing how stress produces a sense of isolation, being afraid, being frantic, and feeling empty. Have I left anything out? Into that kind of pain and into that kind of lack of direction. Jesus speaks a clear word. And Jesus' first clear word is, Reset life's compass. Verses 19 and 20 of Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where the moth, the rust, the thieves cannot touch. Jesus basically says, Reset life's compass. Start there. And then in verse 24, he says something really fascinating. It's so obvious, but Jesus had a great gift for stating the obvious that should be right in front of us, but we miss so often. He says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God, and the the old King James says mammon. Uh, New RSV says wealth, but really the word mammon or wealth that's used here means more than money. It means anything of value that we set our heart on. Anything of value that becomes the center of our focus and attention, that becomes our consuming devotion, becomes our idol. And Jesus says, you know, a slave can't serve two masters. If a slave has one master that comes in and says, go out into the field and work and don't come in till sunset, But a second master comes in and says, stay in the house and build this wall and do not stop until the wall is built. The slave's going, which master do I obey? Clarence Jordan uh, talked about when a slave tries to keep uh, his eye on two masters, the slave becomes cross-eyed. And Jordan talks about the fact that we're all cross-eyed slaves because we're we're trying to keep up with two masters. Or at least more than one master. And it doesn't work. And at least three times in this scripture, Jesus uses the word that is translated in most translations for worry. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Verse 28, And why do you worry about your clothing? Verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, drink, or wear? And the word for worry was a word that meant fragmented, pulled apart, disunited, divided, all broken up. The word for worry is that fragmenting, that anxiety that just pulls us in every direction. Is this really the way that God designed us to live, all fragmented, all pulled in every direction? How many of you remember... Uh, Mr. Rogers TV program. Everybody remember Mr. Rogers TV program? Uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I first saw that program when my kids were little, I thought, that's just plain squirrely. And then I, I watched and thought about it a lot more, and I thought, you know, there's a lot more going on there than I realize, the children's programming and the gentleness with which Fred Rogers spoke to the children in the, into the camera. Uh, by the way, he was an ordained Presbyterian pastor, seminary trained. He believed that this was his calling. And one time, testifying before the U.S. Congress about childhood education, he said, if we take time, we can often go much deeper in spiritual life than if we are constantly distracted. Here he is, a TV personality, testifying before Congress saying, If we will take the time, we can go deeper spiritually than we can go by being constantly distracted. Sounds just exactly like what Jesus was saying. And all during Fred Rogers' life, in his office, there hung a quote. And here's the quote. It's it's not original with him. It was originally by the French writer Saint-Exupéry. What is essential is invisible to the eye. It's that simple. The most essential things in life are invisible. The things that matter the most in life are the things we cannot see. Now, That's exactly what Jesus was saying in this scripture. We start looking at priorities by understanding that the most valuable things in life are the invisible things. So is it time to reset your compass? Is it time to reorder some priorities in your life? Bill Hybels has written a book recently entitled Simplify. Uh, Melissa's going to be keying off of some of the concepts in the winter Bible study next Sunday and the Sunday following, the last two Sundays in January. And I'll be uh, quoting Hybels in this sermon and, and in other sermons in this series. Uh, Hybels reminds us in that book that simplifying your life does not mean that you'll end up doing less it means you'll be, end up doing better. To simplify your life means simply you get connected to God's purposes. And what you're doing, you're going to be doing more joyfully, with more energy, and with more strength, because you're going to be operating with a sense of purpose instead of a, instead of a, a sense of randomness. And Heibels goes on to say that establishing a schedule for your life is not really the first step. Because establishing a schedule for your life is not, first of all, about what you get done, but what you are becoming. It's not, first of all, to set priorities about what we get done. It's about what we are becoming in Christ. And that's why verse 33 is the key to the whole thing. Strive first, "...for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." Don't start with secondary stuff. Start with first priority. Strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given as well. See, that's the problem with most of us. We start at the wrong place. We're doing a lot of good things. The trouble is we started at the wrong place. We started with ourselves. We started with other people's expectations. We started with our selfish, our selfish wants rather than starting with God. When, it doesn't matter how good a job you do with your calendar or with time management. It doesn't matter how good a job you do. If you start at the wrong place, you're sunk. It's like, it's like typing on a keyboard that's new to you. Maybe you're borrowing someone's keyboard Or you have a new laptop and it's either larger or smaller. Have you ever noticed you think you're starting in the right place? I mean, I can, with my eyes closed, I can do D-O-Y-L-E. I know exactly how to do that. But I I have occasionally started on the keyboard in the wrong place. And it doesn't spell D-O-Y-L-E. My fingers did all the same things they always did. But they started in the wrong place. You start in the wrong place. You're going to end up in the wrong place. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. Several years ago, there was a prominent Christian leader who had a serious scare with cancer. In fact, he says that when, when the doctor, they were wheeling him into surgery, the doctor told him, um, we're bordering between horror and hope. I'm not sure you want to tell somebody that right before surgery, but that's, but that's what they told him right before surgery. He survived the cancer and the surgery, and his testimony is is this. He said, after my scare with cancer, I have a renewed fanatical commitment to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is victor over death and the grave, but he said, since my illness, I've also come to understand that Jesus Christ is victor over the inconsequential and the irrelevant junk in our lives. See, Jesus isn't just Lord over death and the grave, He's Lord over the inconsequential and irrelevant junk in our lives. And we have to do some sorting. I want to challenge you this morning. You may have status in the community or in your job or in some social standing. You may have income that offers you a degree of freedom. But I want to remind you this morning that status and income do not make you a growing person inside. Status and income do not make you happy. Status and income will not make you fulfilled. Only Jesus Christ can do that. That's why we focus, and that's why we talk so much in this place about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just knowing about Him and His teachings, but to come into a personal relationship of inviting Him into your life, committing yourself to Him, so that God truly becomes Father in that intimate, personal sense so that we can sort things out. Now, to be honest, most of us do everything except put God first. We seek God second or third or fourth after we make up our own minds. We make our poor choices, our unprayed over choices, and then we ask God to bless them. We seek God second or third or 30th, but we rarely seek God first. What would happen in your life and in this church if we truly sought God and his righteousness and his kingdom first? Really put him first. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a a job that's going nowhere. Have you really put God first first? And sought God's will about that? Maybe you're in a relationship that's confusing and you don't know which way to turn. Have you really put God first in that and asked God what God wants you to do? Maybe you are in a cycle of failure because there's a sinful habit in your life and you've been trying in your own strength. Have you really, really sought God first? Maybe you're struggling with competing priorities and you can't sort it out. Have you really just gotten down on your knees and prayed and asked God to help you with that? So here's the takeaway. I want you to have something practical to take with you. We don't start with your calendar. We don't start with your schedule. We don't start with your to-do list and assign one Roman numeral one and a and sub B under that. We don't start with that. We start with God. We start with God. Here's the one thing I want you to do before you, before you leave today. Decide on something that would either begin or improve your relationship with God. That's where we start with priorities. Priorities. You thought I was going to give you a silver bullet that had never been written about before. We start with God. One thing, to begin or improve your relationship with God this morning. It might be to invite Jesus Christ into your life. It might be to begin a consistent, quiet time of prayer and Bible study every day. It might be a commitment to be more uh, consistent in worship attendance and in our community groups for Bible study. It might be to correct a wrong relationship. It might be to seek out professional help. It might be to read a book that you know you've been avoiding. It it might be any number of things, but to just do one thing, one thing that will begin or improve your relationship with God. We start with God. Seek first the kingdom of God And his righteousness, and all these other things will fall into place. Seek God first. Seek God first. Seek God first. Let's pray.